evidence and answers. Terrorism. It's been in the news almost daily. The world that we live in is constantly barraged with evil. There truly is a battle against terrorism. So what do we know about these forces of wickedness? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukren. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will be sharing about terrorism and the different groups that choose to bring about evil to our society. If you are unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here's Pat now with the conclusion to this message. In the 1940s, an armed wing of the Brotherhood was blamed for a string of violent acts, including the assassination of the Egyptian prime minister in 1948. Shortly after, he had ordered the dissolution of the Muslim Brotherhood. Albana himself was assassinated soon afterwards. His supporters claimed he had been killed on the wishes of the Egyptian government. So the movement went underground in the 50s and decades of oppression by the Egyptian government led many of the Brotherhood members to flee and live abroad while others were jailed there in Egypt. Now in the 1980s, the group supposedly disavowed violence and attempted to join the mainstream political process, but it was banned by the former Egyptian president Hosni Mubarak. Nonetheless, the Brotherhood grew throughout the decade as part of a general growth and interest grew in Islam. And the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq in 2003 saw or seems to have led to a spike in its membership. In 2005, it won 20% of Egypt's parliamentary elections running as independents. Mubarak cracked down on the group, jailing hundreds of its members. Now, the Brotherhood has always stood against the nation of Israel. Since its formation in 1947, Egypt has been a leading opponent against the nation of Israel, leading several campaigns against Israel. But this ended. Now, President at that time, Anwar Sadat, launched an attack on Israel, and he was loved for attacking Israel, even though he lost the war. However, Sadat transferred alliance from the Soviet Union to the United States, and in 1977, he established a relationship with Israel, which angered many Arab nations. It was the Camp David Peace Accord that established peace between Egypt and Israel. But Sadat was assassinated by a soldier in 1981. Sadat was replaced by Hosni Mubarak, a military leader. However, Mubarak remained friendly towards the United States and in Israel. So in February of 2011, there were riots in Egypt led by the Muslim Brotherhood, forcing Mubarak to step down. In June of 2011, Mohammed Mursi, the leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, was elected as president of Egypt. However, under Mursi, the Egyptian people saw the true face of the Muslim Brotherhood. Under Mursi's leadership, the Egyptians began calling for the Egyptian government to renounce its peace treaty with Israel that was established there at Camp David. And on September 9th in 2011, many Egyptians stormed the Israeli embassy. But under the leadership of the Muslim Brotherhood, many of the freedoms, including religious freedoms and others, were lost there in Egypt. 
freedom of the press was lost as the government restricted the media. And in July of 2013, Mohamed Morsi was overthrown in a military coup. Now, this is the mission of the Muslim Brotherhood. They claim that their intent were strictly philanthropic and spiritual with the goal of spreading Islam. Since its beginning, the Muslim Brotherhood has aspired to reassert Islam through the establishment of Sharia law and Sunni governments throughout the Middle East, including Israel. In the Brotherhood's view, this is the natural, correct, and primary endeavor of all human civilization, with the ultimate goal of being a unification under the caliphate or a universal Islamic state. So the goal of the Brotherhood is to establish Sharia law and an Islamic caliphate. The Brotherhood's stated purpose, if you go on their website, is this, to instill the Quran and Sunnah, or Islamic law, as the sole reference point for ordering the life of Muslim families, individuals, communities, and states. The Muslim Brotherhood's slogan, and you can look at this on their website, is this, Allah is our objective, the Quran is our law, the Prophet is our leader, Jihad is our way, and death for the sake of Allah is the highest of our aspirations. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood claims to be a philanthropic and strictly a spiritual organization, but they are in fact recognized as an international Islamic terrorist organization that has over the last 80 years given rise to jihadist terror groups such as Hamas and Al-Qaeda. The Brotherhood is involved in terrorism against all American interests in the Middle East and Israel. They are an active supporter of Hamas, a group which has pledged violence against Israel, who they view as illegal occupiers of Palestine. The motto of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is stated on their logo, is the word prepare in Arabic. It comes from chapter 8, verse 60 of the Quran. Now, many of us think prepare, perhaps we think of the Boy Scouts prepare. But the word prepare there, according to the motto of the Muslim Brotherhood, comes from chapter 8, verse 60 of the Quran. And this verse reads this, And prepare against them whatever you are able of power and of steeds of war, by which you may terrorize the enemy of Allah and your enemy and others besides them, whom you do not know, but whom Allah knows. And whatever you spend in the cause of Allah will be fully repaid to you, and you will not be wronged. So the reach of the Muslim Brotherhood extends not only to Egypt, but also throughout the Middle East and throughout Europe and North America. Altogether, it is believed that the Brotherhood is present in about 70 countries around the world. Now, there are several groups that have come out of the Muslim Brotherhood or are associated with the Muslim Brotherhood. One that you hear about a lot is Hezbollah. Hezbollah means the party of God. Hezbollah is a powerful political and military organization in Lebanon made up of mainly Shia Muslims. Hezbollah was established in 1982 by Sheikh Mohammed Hussein Fadlallah. It emerged with financial backing from Iran and Syria. The objective was to drive the U.S. and Israel out of Lebanon and the Middle East. The text above their logo reads, Then surely the party of Allah are they that shall be triumphant. From chapter 5 of the Quran. Underneath the logo are the words Islamic resistance in Lebanon. And Hezbollah has become a powerful political force in Lebanon, controlling many of the government seats there in Lebanon. They are believed to be responsible for the bombing of the U.S. Embassy and the Marine Barracks in 1983. 
that killed over 250 Americans. So Hezbollah is to the north of Israel, then in the land of Palestine in the West Bank, therefore in the southeast part of Israel or Palestine, is Hamas. Hamas was formed in 1987 as an outgrowth of the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. Hamas is a Sunni Islamic organization which was established at the beginning of the first Infatara, December of 1987 by Sheikh Ahmed Yassin. Hamas is dedicated to the establishment of an Islamic Palestinian state that encompasses all of Israel, the West Bank, and Gaza. Hamas believes in the establishment of an Islamic theocracy over all the territory of the land of Israel. They state from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River. So that encompasses the entire territory of Palestine. In other words, they want control of the entire territory and will not compromise on a two-state solution with Israel. Now, the symbols of the Hamas logo illustrate the group's attitude toward Israel. If you look at their flag, at the top is an outline of the territory of Israel, Gaza, and the West Bank, shown as one entity covered in the color green, Hamas's symbolic cover. So their desires for an entire land of Palestine or Israel ruled under Islamic rule. In the center is the Muslim shrine, the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, surrounded by banners bearing the phrases, there's no God but Allah and Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. And underneath those are the words Palestine and Islamic resistance movement, Hamas. The swords under are a common Islamic motif representing the power of Islam and the desire to spread the religion by force if necessary. So Hamas and Hezbollah exist primarily to remove Israel from the land of Palestine. And both groups have been involved in numerous dozens of terrorist activities against the nation of Israel and her close ally, the United States. Now, most of the terrorist organizations are located in the Middle East. Now, here are a couple you're hearing a lot about that are not in the Middle East. The first one is in Africa. They're known as Boko Haram. Boko Haram is a militant Islamic group working out of the country of Nigeria. They operate primarily in the northeastern region of Nigeria, launching attacks in the neighboring countries as well, Cameroon, Chad, and Niger. Now, the name Boko Haram means Western education is forbidden. Boko Haram does not engage in Nigeria's political system out of a strict following to a fundamentalist form of Islam, which forbids participation unless the system is based on Sharia or Islamic law. Now, they were founded in 2002. The founder is Islamic cleric Muhammad Yusuf. He gained worldwide attention in 2014 after kidnapping 200 girls and threatened to sell them as slaves. Now, since the current insurgency was started in about 2009, Boko Haram has killed 20,000 Nigerians and displaced 2.3 million from their homes and was ranked as the world's deadliest terror group by the Global Terrorism Index in 2015. And in 2015, Boko Haram pledged allegiance to ISIS. Now, their mission is to establish an Islamic state and instill Sharia law there in Nigeria. 
Nigeria fell under British rule in 1903, and they tried to establish a democracy there in Nigeria and bring in Western education to the land of Nigeria. Boko Haram forbids Muslims to take part in any political, social, or educational activity because it is associated with Western society. So Boko Haram believes that Nigeria is ruled by unbelievers, and these unbelievers are trying to westernize Nigeria and take them away from Sharia law. And so they must be overturned. So in 2002, the founder, Muhammad Yusuf, built a mosque and an Islamic school in his territory of northeastern Nigeria. And many poor Muslim families across Nigeria and neighboring countries sent their children there. And the school has become a recruiting ground for Boko Haram. Boko Haram attacks police stations and government buildings. They have launched mass attacks on villages and towns, looting, killing, abducting women and children, and forcing men and boys to join their army. So that is Boko Haram there in Nigeria. And another one you have been hearing a lot about is in Southeast Asia. In the Philippines, they're a group called Abu Sayyaf. Abu Sayyaf is arguably one of the smallest, but one of the most lawless groups there in the Philippines, but also one of the most violent. International security analyst Professor Romel Banlaoi, who has published several scholarly papers on Abu Sayyaf, describes it as the smallest but most terrifying Muslim extremist group in the Philippines. The Australian National Security says that there are approximately four to 500 Abu Sayyaf fighters today, but true numbers really are not known. The members are usually young Filipino Muslims from the southern island of Mindanao, but they have also included foreign jihadists who come from foreign countries. They are reportedly trained and funded by international terrorist networks of Al-Qaeda and its affiliates, the Indonesian-based terrorist group Jama'a Islamiyah. It is the first ever armed group to be outlawed by the Filipino government in 2015. They are listed by the United Nations Security Council as being associated with Al-Qaeda as early as 2001. The U.S. State Department and the Australian National Security both blacklisted Abu Sayyaf as a terrorist organization as early as 1997. The group pledged allegiance to ISIS in 2014. Now, Abu Sayyaf means father of the swordsman in Arabic. It was formed in the early 1990s through the leadership of Abdul Rajak Janjalani. He was a charismatic religious native from the southern Philippines there. After studying in the Middle East, where he supposedly met with Al-Qaeda's leader, Osama bin Laden, Janjalani led a breakaway group from the established separatist movement there in the Philippines, the Moral National Liberation Front. And this marked the birth of Abu Sayyaf there in 1993. John Jalani was killed in a shootout with Filipino government forces in 1998. Several leaders have followed him, but who the leader is right now, it's not known. Now, the mission of Abu Sayyaf is this. Their goal is to establish an independent Islamic state there in Mindanao, one of the major southern islands there in the Philippines. So their goal is to establish an independent Islamic state ruled under Sharia law. Since 2007, their attacks have shifted from large-scale bombings 
to kidnapping activities. Through kidnapping and abductions, the ransom they collect is what they use to support their terrorist activities. They have been involved in many terrorist attacks, including bombings, assassinations, and kidnappings. They've targeted military installations, police headquarters, businesses, local and foreign and private individuals. According to the Global Terrorism Database, there have been over 300 terrorist incidents perpetrated by Abu Sayyaf since the 1990s. It is this group now that is in a battle with government forces in Marawi. They're a southern city in the island of Mindanao. They're in the southern Philippines. The entire city is under lockdown. There's a battle going on. The city is under fire. Duterte, the president of the Philippines, has declared martial law there in the southern islands of Mindanao and in the southern islands of Mindanao with the possibility of enforcing martial law throughout the entire Philippines. So that's Abu Sayyaf. So those are some of the major terrorist organizations we're hearing a lot about in the news today. Well, how will we defeat terrorism? Well, just like in the Middle Ages, Charles Martel defeated Islam militarily there in France. And the great theologian and philosopher Thomas Aquinas defeated the ideology of Islam intellectually. So we must defeat them militarily as well as defeating them intellectually. So presently, we are battling terrorist organizations throughout the world concentrating a lot of our efforts there in the Middle East to defeat these terrorist organizations. But as many leaders have noted, our president as well as the prime minister of Germany and England and France and others have clearly stated it's not just enough to defeat them militarily. We must defeat the ideology of radical Islam, as they state. All these European countries as well as the United States, are taking stronger anti-terrorism measures. That is a great first step. But how do we defeat the ideology of radical Islam? Well, we must realize that the liberal philosophies of the West, relativism, the new tolerance, moral relativism, they have failed us. If there's no such thing as absolute truth, if we're going to practice the new tolerance that all values, lifestyles, and beliefs are equally valid and true and must be tolerated, then how do we stand against an ideology such as radical Islam? We must return to a belief in God and that truth is rooted in the very character and nature of God and that God has established the universal moral law or the natural law which all men must abide by. Christians must be able to present a powerful case for the existence of God and the establishment of the Word of God, that the Bible has been a great guide for truth and moral values that guide cultures and civilizations all over the world. And I believe once we return to that, we can battle the ideology of radical Islam. Now, many in the West are calling for moderate Muslims to rise up and defeat radical Islam. But can we really count on moderate Muslims to rise and defeat Islam? It is my opinion that we cannot. We've been waiting for decades for moderate Muslims to rise up and defeat radical Islam, and they have not been able to. And it's quite difficult, too. As you see in previous shows, 
If there was a Christian group killing in the name of Christ, we could easily go to the Bible and show that was not the example of Christ or the apostles or in any way consistent with the teachings of the New Testament. Killing in the name of Christ goes against everything Jesus and the apostles taught and stood for. Well, that's a little bit harder with the Quran, right? It's hard to point to the example of Muhammad and the teachings of the Quran to stand against this militant form of jihad. When you look at Muhammad, he was a warrior. He fought in over 30 wars. He beheaded thousands of his enemies. Early on, he made his living attacking caravans. This man was a warrior, and he and his men were involved in the destruction and slaughter of thousands of people and the rape of thousands of women. So it's hard to point to his example and say this kind of militant jihad goes against the example of Muhammad and the early caliphs. There are also a hundred verses on jihad in the Quran, which is a militant form of spreading Islam. And that's how Islam was spread. Islam was spread by the sword. You look at Islamic experts like Bernard Lewis, who said for nearly 14 centuries, the military form of jihad was the common interpretation by the vast Muslim scholars and the Muslim world for nearly 1400 years. So it's hard to point to the Quran and say, well, the Quran speaks against this kind of militant jihad. So can we count on the moderate Muslims to rise up and defeat radical Islam? I don't think so. I think we need to identify the problem, which President Trump and other leaders are beginning to do, calling it radical Islam. You need to identify the problem before you can defeat it. And I think more than attacking radical Islam, we need to defeat or overcome the ideology of Islam. And I believe it's only the biblical truth and the Christian worldview that would be successful in that endeavor. And so we need to pray for many of the missionaries and scholars who are out there being a powerful witness for Christ in the Middle East and witnessing to many Muslims there. Now, as I end the show, let me say this. I'm not saying every Muslim you meet out there is a terrorist. Okay? The vast majority of Muslims you're going to meet out there are fantastic people and peace-loving people and want peace. And many of them leave these countries in search of a better life. So if you meet a, a Muslim out there, most likely they're going to be very friendly, wonderful people, wonderful people, peace-loving people to befriend. What I'm saying is the religion of Islam and the example of Muhammad and Muhammad himself Islam, Islam, the religion and its founder is not a peaceful religion. And that is the ideology that must be defeated. Most Muslims out there are peace-loving, wonderful people. And so as believers in Christ, we must equip ourselves in apologetics and be able to present a powerful case for the truth of Christianity and be able to share Christ in a very loving way to our Muslim friends and family members here in the United States, Asia, and throughout the world. So we're only going to defeat terrorism with a two-prong attack, to defeat them militarily, because they will not negotiate for peace. They want, by military means, establish, uh, conquer the world and bring it under Islam and establish Sharia law and an Islamic caliphate. So terrorist groups 
must be defeated militarily. But also, more importantly, we've got to defeat the ideology that stands behind it. And I believe it's the Christian worldview and the teachings of biblical truth is the only one that can defeat false ideologies like that presented by these radical Islamic groups. Well, that's a little bit about terrorism and these terrorist organizations. I hope it helped you understand what's going on there in the Middle East and how we can best stand against terrorism we see in the world today. Thank you for joining me here on Evidence and Answers, and we look forward to seeing you again here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, would you please consider partnering with us? Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. Be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, please visit their website. That's hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and answers.